Hello, everyone, and welcome to this November episode of What's New in Cloud FinOps with myself, Stephen Old, and my friend and colleague. En there we go. Great stuff. So, a decent chunk of news out this month, which we're going to focus on. We promise we will get back to doing uh, episodes with a a special uh, at the at the end of them. Uh, but there's just been so much news recently, and we've got a couple of special reinvent episodes coming up um, because of the amount of news coming out there as well. Um, but I will get us kicked off, Frank, just yes. to uh, get the ball rolling with. Um, going to the right screen <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go i was on my uh, my one. okay so starting with achieve up to 30 percent better performance with amazon document db with mongo capability using graviton two instances so very like what we've been talking about with a flurry of services uh, that have been managed services by aws and moving on to graviton this is the latest um, so the the way this service works is um, it's slightly different to some of the ones we've talked about, where you don't maybe see the, the cost same way. But um, because you are you know having the um, the service put onto these gravitons without you having to worry about any of the management of it, it's worth noting that Document DB is designed for you to be able to migrate uh, MongoDB straight onto it. Um, so while they're not calling it Mongo, it is a, a a direct equivalent. It's not like Dynamo where it's it's quite different. This is their version of MongoDB. Um, it is relatively easy to migrate onto as long as you're using a compatible version of Mongo. Um, and I think that one of the reasons I actually created the services to a lot of people were actually just using um, the the direct Mongo cloud service. And so they wanted to be able to get some of the hosting on, on AWS themselves. Um, the... Um, the Graviton 2s, they talk about, again, uh, being having seven times the performance, four times the number of cores, two times uh, the uh, larger private caches, five times faster memory, two times faster floating points per core than the Gravitons. Uh, but what really matters here is that you expect to see a 30% performance improvement for the service if you move it across. Exactly. Um, that is dependent on your DB size, which is interesting. Uh, they don't give any stats for how, um, how it changes. So potentially that the bigger your... DB size, i.e. the more CPU, the greater your benefit will be. So maybe you won't see 30% on smaller. Right, it would be interesting to see how it scales with number mm. of CPU, vCPUs, and size. And, and probably also query size. So how yeah. complex are your queries or how much work is to be done? And usually database is much more around storage. Is the big storage and memory are the big thing compared even just to... Uh, CPU, but access to memory is managed quite often by the CPU. So yeah, yeah. let's see how these Graviton work. They, they are really talking about lots of things. I, also, it's quite interesting. So with Graviton 2, we are around reInvent. And are they announcing something? They have enough? previewed, they have released a preview that Graviton 3 is coming out. There we go. So you see, everything's going to change again, but it should be compatible. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, so, and hopefully you wouldn't even notice. I think they will create it so you wouldn't even notice that you can move across the Graviton 3s. We'll yes. see. We'll see. So next thing is about uh, Amazon QuickSight, which is a uh, BI visualization tool. It's the BI visualization tool by, uh, used by, of AWS. And in particular, uh, I use it almost on a daily basis, do lots of things around it. So, so it's, it's 
nice that they have introduced some performance optimizations, which are not around the data, but the visualization. So it's pure user experience there. And that is really cool because sometimes you would just change one little thing and you have all your graph refreshing. In this mm-hmm. case, it, it will decide uh, which graph needs refreshing. And so the rest will just stay there, which offers a much better uh, user experience. So yeah, good stuff there. Happy, happy me. Happy you. I was going to say there's a reason you're talking about that one. Uh, when I was giving them up, I was just like, well, the man lives in QuickSight. <laughs> You've got an Athena one as well for Lecture, I think. Yes, um, I know. <laughs> right. So my next piece of news is announcing general availability of Amazon EC2 G5 instances. Um, for those that know your Instance families, your Gs are your uh, GPUs. So these ones are powered by the NVIDIA A10G Tensor Core GPUs. Um, They are specialized in graphic intensive workloads or machine learning use cases. Um, You know, if you're using CAD and stuff like that, these can be really great for that. Um, Up to 3.3 times higher performance um, for training moderately complex machine learning models. Uh, when compared to the G4DNs. Um, interesting how the naming convention slightly different, but we will, you know, we could spend a lot of time talking about how things uh, move. Um, they are fully released now, so general availability. They were mm-hmm. um, they were in preview. Um, and they are in Virginia, Oregon, Ireland initially. Um, I don't think I've seen them being released elsewhere yet, but I will check are they are they intel ones i think they're intel based on the old well, uh, naming convention without the i <laughs> yeah but that's the problem isn't it the fact that we haven't got anything af- at the end of them now it just says the uh, nvidia a10gs i could i mean i can google <laughs> see who's made them uh, and see what comes down. Well, in the past, before before generation six, where you start having the eyes uh, for Intel A for AMD and G for yeah, exactly. nothing would would be Intel. But no, no G five instance da, 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 and second generation AMD Epics processors. Mm. So it's an AMD without an A. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting, yes. Yeah. As I go onto their website, they've got... um, Yeah, there's a few things going on. But yes, it looks like um, these ones are powered by the the AMDs. Cool. Well, next next one is... uh, is batch AWS batch and in particular so for those of you who like schedule, scheduling or scheduling uh, like me really I scan of scheduling my, my life yeah anyway strange hobbies uh, I the idea is that in the past if you wanted to in, uh, to have for example uh, different we had different level of support of things that would go through AWS batch for example a premium service and a normal service you would have to create two queues so one queue for the premium service, and, and then the system will decide that the premium service had priority. But that would that could get quite complex quite fast with lots of queues. What they're now introducing is a scheduler that will effectively, you can create just one queue and say, when you see something which has a tag of premium, that one got more of the CPU. Yeah. So they are allowing you to not just going through, oh, I'm just going to run what's available next in the queue to 
I'm going to run as many things that are in the queue as possible in parallel, but I'm going to give them uh, the uh, different quantity of CPU depending on yeah, some rules. Yeah, yeah. And that that usually is a, is a very is a big improvement, especially when you have multiple people working on the same queue. So you might have lots of customers just all dropping everything in one place, and now you don't need to start differentiating between type of customers and send them to the right queue, just throw it to the right queue, put the right rules on, and it's done. That's the theory. Now, how you implement it, I'll be happy to see. Have to look. Indeed. Um, moving on to one, we had a lot of uh, new things being talked about and released in Spot that I actually made you do pretty much all of them uh, last month. Yes. Um, Amazon EC2 fleet and Spot fleet now support automatic instance termination with capacity rebalancing. Um, now, this one's interesting. Um, it was released on November the 5th. And so I, I hadn't realized one of the things that basically could happen, um, where if you've got a, a Spot fleet and you have it set that if there's an elevated risk of interruption, i.e. Your, um, the ones you're on are likely to, your bid is likely to be beaten, et cetera. Um, you could get a new machine put, built from a different, um, a different pool um, to replace it so you didn't lose having the capacity you wanted. What I hadn't realized is that actually nothing stops the machine that's being replaced. So the, it's not being terminated by the system. And if for whatever reason, although you've hit the elevated risk, it wasn't interrupted and it continued, you'd actually be having extra capacity that you've not requested. Mm -hmm. So this now has got the automatic instance termination. So you can set it so that if it replaces your instance for you, you remove the old instance um, that's that's being replaced so that you know, it's gone in case the unlikely event happens of it not actually being taken away from yes. you. Interesting, yes. Those are kind of edge cases that become very important when you have yeah. massive fleets, like exactly. 10,000 VMs. And you say, yeah, no, I don't want 15,000, I want 10,000. Well, exactly. I was thinking the project where we try to use every spare GPU in all the clouds, and this is yes. one of those situations <laughs> where that would be helpful. Cool. Okay, so next one is again on data. This is Athena, Amazon Athena. So Athena is, let's say, a database engine that allows you to interrogate uh, CSV files or other uh, file-based formats uh, with SQL. So it's a database, but it allows you not, it doesn't have behind a specific file system. So it's really cool. Uh, I use it every single day because the curve file I provided into are the parquet file or CSV file, and Athena allows you just to interrogate those files immediately without having to do any extraction transform load. One of the interesting things uh, that they are now releasing is that you have the cost detail in a query execution plan. And just going to second, so we, we, when you create a query, when you write a query, you can, let's say, try it out. Not you can send it to the system with what is called an explain analyze statement, and the system will come by and say, That's how I'm planning to get the data you need. It doesn't do it, but it, it's an estimate. And now they're adding into that also how much the system uh, estimates it would cost. 
So that's that's quite neat because when you know that you have a specific query that you're going to run, I don't know, well, 10 times a day, that's easy, or 10 times an hour, that number, that value will be uh, will help you enormously have an, uh, an idea of the cost. So yeah, good stuff. Explain, analyze, really good thing to learn uh, if mm. you're on DB stuff. And uh, yeah, that one, adding cost is, is quite new. That's cool. Very nice. So now a bit of a change um, and how Finopsy is TBC, but it's something I'm quite um, interested in. And I think it does. I think anything that covers compliance um, can, can come into FinOps. And so there was a Google uh, blog out on the 12th of November, written by uh, Zeal Samani, um, about modernizing compliance, introducing risk and compliance as code. Now, compliance as code is not a, a brand new thing. Um, I remember Chef came out with a module oh, four years ago. Well, it might have been before that. I came across it four years ago called Inspect. And it was really basically running rules against your uh, IAC. And so this article is talking about how that's kind of developed and how you can be running compliance and risk review uh, as part of your DevOps procedure and your DevSecOps. If, if um, a lot of my DevOps friends hate that term, may I add, because they think it therefore suggests that DevOps isn't secure. Um, but yeah, you can you can um, you can read up on this. I think it's well worth reading if you've never got looked at it, never got into it. See whether you can you can handle RCAC. They're calling it uh, like IAC, um, but you can basically put in kind of remediate, detect, prevent um, cases into that. And so with that becoming possible, and when it's basically looking at your CICD process, if you wanted to, you could also be looking at this to look at uh, things that would fall outside of your uh, spend compliance as well. So that's why I thought I'd bring it in, uh, apart from the fact that it's a bit of a passion of mine. Which is really good. So next one is still uh, Google Cloud, and this is about GKE Autopilot and the idea that you now have spot pods. So I admit I had to read that one to make sure that I got what G uh, Autopilot is doing. So really Autopilot, as the name tells, is a way to keep your infrastructure just running without much of maintenance from you. It's just gonna, it's an automated system all day. Instead of using scripts, you can just autopilot. And autopilot was really built initially to manage a very standard um, pods. What they're adding yeah. now is that you can have, you can, and oh yeah, and, and one thing was you could have SLAs on a per pod. So that's quite interesting. But now what they're telling is you can also create spot pods, which are still going to be managed by autopilot. But the idea in this case is that things might be turned off. Or so on one side, you will save money because it's starting using not on-demand very stable thing, but spots, so better pricing. At the same time, the system will probably gonna kill them underneath autopilot might destroy or rebuild things. So evolution of autopilot uh, from being very stable into being able to manage even uh, short-lived workloads. Cool. Uh, my next one is a bit different again, um, but it is Finopsy, I promise, this time. Uh, Forrester have written a report uh, called The Total Economic Impact of migrating expensive operating systems and traditional software to Google Cloud. Um, it's a bit specific. 
but actually uh, you can get it um you have to put in your details to be able to get it but it is uh, free and i do quite like it the top things it will teach you or tell you about and can explain are the following and then maybe you can decide um re- listeners whether you actually want to uh, read it at all um avoiding on-premise hardware software and license costs can save millions of dollars annually okay interesting um optimized cloud infrastructure can reduce cloud spending by 45 percent or more very interested to see what they mean by um optimized cloud and organizations are completing their cloud migrations in half the projected time i find that interesting because i've not often seen that to be the case yeah we watched two people who had 10 times more people than they expected and they finished it twice as quickly (laughs) but yeah i just thought that's an interesting one for people to read um is absolutely about google but i think you could take some of the learnings and um still i'm gonna put my data in and uh, and i will read okay so next is about spanner so that's a cloud spanner is the big database global database from google cloud and the interesting thing is that you can automatically clean up the data with a time to leave to setting time to leave for the table so it's it is quite interesting because it will delete or eliminate rows or tables which are not needed based on rules so when you create a table you can say the content of this table uh, is useful for nine days or 10 days, something like this. And then the system will automatically clean it up. When, when you know the cost of cloud spanner, it is really positive to be able to reduce things, not just once a month when you run that massive script that you are praying as well, but it is all managed directly by Google behind the scenes. And so you can save space, you can get access faster because you have less data. And it breaks less, hopefully. Absolutely. Um, and then a final one from me. Um, live resize of Azure Disk Storage in Public Preview. It was put in preview on the 2nd of November 2021. Um, and basically allows you, well, like it says, it allows you to change the size dynamically without having to um, restart the, the VM or have any downtime to your application. The benefit to this, if we're thinking about FinOps, is that you can have smaller disks to start with. Um, so you're not having to provision for your end case uh, of the size you think it might get to and you can just increase it over time as the footprint grows um also i think by doing that you're probably more likely to keep a proper eye on on what's in your storage and how you're using it which is a double benefit so that's a, a cool new one out of azure and just continuing exactly with Azure Ultra Disk Storage, it's the provision throughput increase. So Azure Ultra Disk Storage is really uh, about really big quantities, and it's made for databases and what is called OLTP um, scenarios. So that is when you have lots of read, write, delete continuously, and they are increasing the throughput to four thousand megabytes per second per disk. So you, you can sum it up if you use some strange, some interesting configuration, not strange, but interesting configuration, you can increase that number, but it is really, really useful. Four gigabyte per second of data going through each disk is should help you get stuff from your database in a very short time frame. So yeah, that, that was the last one for me too. And we're done. Um, yeah, thank you very much. That's all done for today. 
um and i look forward to recording some more on stuff coming out of reinvent and um and sharing those with our our dear listeners perfect have a fantastic rest of the day everyone talk to you soon take care Bye -bye. bye bye